What's up, Grandpa? I'm ready. All right. How are you doing? Great. How about you after your long trip to Utah? I'm exhausted. I've been going to parties every night, too. So, like. Have you made a decision whether you're going to go back there? Um, yeah, I'm thinking uh, Francisco maybe wants to go back for like two weeks. He doesn't want to stay for good, but we might go back for like a couple weeks at some point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Francisco? Yeah. You know Francisco? Oh. Yeah, the lady that... Um... No, Francisco. Worked for your. It's a guy. Oh, oh, that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Frank. Yeah, you, you met Frank before. Yeah. Got anything new? No, I'm. I've enjoyed your book. I read it through. I got some inspired thoughts. Oh yeah, you like it? What, what was your what, yeah. was your what was your inspired thoughts? Well, the whole idea of, of understanding the difference between the primary and the secondary, that, that, that the original idea, see, I thought of it in, in terms of the metaphor about a, a ballet. See, a, a composer of a ballet has an idea. And then in order to express that idea, he, enli he enlists all kinds of different things, including the venue and the people and et cetera, et cetera. And the only thing that's real is the idea, but everything that he enlists is an expression of that idea. So it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It, it means that that's a, a secondary manifestation of the, of the primary idea. That's the thing that became clear to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the world of forms, right? Yeah. So it doesn't mean that, that what was manifest is an illusion. It means that it's a, re a representation. It, it, it is the idea, but it's not the, the real, it's not the idea itself. It's the expression. So everything, everything is an expression of the idea expressing that idea. So that's, that was the, the great insight that I got. I really appreciated that insight. Yeah. I can also send you the, the life, that, that other one that we were doing from uh, <clears throat> Prabhupada, life creates life. Okay. Okay. But, but uh, I was thinking today, could, could we read uh, Nityananda? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Yep. <laughs> it's called the Gospel of Nityananda. The thing about Nityananda is, you know, he's he's very he's a very popular like spiritual teacher, but then people say that he he uh he's had like affairs with like celebrity women and stuff, you know. And I don't know, I think I think that people like claim that he was like sexually harassing women. But any thoughts on that? Well, See, that's always a temptation that that um, 
imposes itself on 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 people that are are um, not necessarily worshipped, but uh, deeply admired, and a person can get easily easily seduced into uh, expressing that self in an interpersonal or sexual relationship. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that he did get caught up in the interpersonal, like maybe, and, and maybe like he was like maybe uh, again he was very for vegetarianism, you know, but it maybe became dualistic. Maybe he was kind of attaching to the identity of being Indian. I kind of got that impression. Um, <clears throat> any thoughts on that? No. Um, but at the same time, that there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's just it's just a an aspect of the world of ideas, right? He's just an idea in the world, and and he's fulfilling his character, right? Or any thoughts? <clears throat> Well, see, that, that was another insight from this book that, that um, one can, can step down from that, from the, um, um, just a second, I had a note about that here. See, see, there's, he, he talks about the, Four, four levels of consciousness, the the soul or the what we call the transpersonal, then there's the personal, then there's the material, and then there's the hazy. So, so even when you're in the material or personal um, way of seeing or perceiving or contact that uh, domain of consciousness, you're still an expression of consciousness it doesn't mean that you're bad or wrong, but it does mean that um, that that you're not paying attention to to Krishna. You're not paying attention to the whole ballet symphony. You're paying attention to something less than that. So, you, in other words, your consciousness is somewhat limited when you, when you're in the hazy material or personal um, domain of consciousness. Yeah, does it? No. So already says many reputed intellectuals, including scientists, have recorded that there has been an elevation in human consciousness in recent times. Whether it is due to the age of Aquarius, as rock groups foresaw, or the metaphorical end of the world, as the Mayans predicted, is not the question here. Any thoughts so far? No. What do you think about that idea of the age of Aquarius and everything? Well, see, the, the hippies were thinking about uh, the dawning of a new level of consciousness, but uh, see, they were believing it rather than um, becoming aware of it. Yeah, so it became a movement rather than um, something that they were becoming aware of. They were still too attached to ego identities, right? Right. And also like the idea of an age of Aquarius, all time is the same. And if people get too caught up in the expectation effect of, okay, this age, this age, yeah, certainly there might be some effects of the stars and stuff, but if you're so focused on that, then you're not in oneness consciousness, right? Or you got it. Why? Because you're making excuses. Well, yeah, I'll go back to the, my metaphor about the ballet. See, you can you can go to the ballet, and then you can spend all of your time reading 
an analysis and an interpretation of the ballet and never pay attention to the to the to the presentation and so that's that's when you believe it when your ego is, then you're just thinking about it rather than being aware of it yeah does it and was it just being aware of it does well see when you're thinking of it you're paying attention to your thoughts it's it's the ego paying attention to to its own thoughts. But but, but so you, see, when 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 you're thinking, you're thinking that you are a separate entity, that you are that you are a person. I I think therefore I am. Uh, I, I am my thoughts about who I think I am, and you're thinking about that. It's all self-confirmatory. And you, when you're thinking about that, you can't enjoy the symphony. You can't enjoy the ballet. But thinking can be beneficial, right? Because it's a third quadrant, and at least you're moving out of belief and be belonging, like just believing, right? Yeah. And you could you could shake yeah. up and you could break out of conformity and stuff, right? Yeah. You get deep. You yeah. Get your insights. Like it's, it's like we've talked about with the ego. It's magnificent in its accomplishments. It didn't like Einstein say that you have to like he, he wasn't smarter than anybody, but he just spent more time in the problem. But wasn't he thinking about it? And then wasn't it the, the enormous amount of thinking that led to the revelations, the flow? Yeah, while while eating an apple, when he was no longer thinking, yeah. he had to do the homework of thinking and reasoning and exploring but then while eating an apple while not thinking while not paying attention to all of his thoughts and conclusions and assumptions and beliefs when not thinking about all of that that's when it all came together for him in a realization so what is the what do you think about the idea of the end of the world that the mayans predicted any thoughts on that well see i think when one We'll go back to the Mount of Transfiguration. See, at that moment, that was the end of their world. The world in which they had been living ended at that and that, no, that moment of. They, they said 2012 was the end. That was what their calendar predicted. 2012 would be the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it, at that moment, their world ended. See, it's that old saying no one looks upon the face of God and lives. See, once you become aware of the reality and the presence of the universal form, then, then who you think you are dies. But, but the thing is like, people get so caught up in like the Mayan idea, like they get all engrossed by it and absorbed and, and like, uh, it becomes like, uh, well, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, they get consumed by it. Yeah, it 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 becomes it, it uh, becomes self-confirmatory, right? Yeah, it's 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 like uh, believing. See, Jimmy Swaggart has a song that that they sing often. I'm on my way to heaven, and the journey gets sweeter every day. See, see, it it it, it becomes a world, a self-confirmatory world of its own apart from reality. Is it like emotional masturbation? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, Sentimental. Maybe, yeah, maybe the minds were right, though, because like, that's when I just, you know, when I revealed the quadrant model and stuff, and maybe 
they were tapped into some sort of higher dimensional frequency observational reality and they tapped into that with the and and, and again like mind belief and reality are very linked so if you believe it's going to happen it will happen but not just that the belief reality is giving you these beliefs so some higher dimension is giving you the belief so somehow they were tapped into some sort of correspondence uh dialectic between reality and themselves and they produced the, the mind counter which has a quadrant formation in it and and somehow in reality is corresponding with it any thoughts of that yeah, well, well, that, that's certainly true that they tapped into something. See, there is going to be a major transformation. See, it's happened over and over and over throughout the course of human history. And we here in the world right now, our social socioeconomic system is going to collapse. There's going to be an Armageddon. There's going to be a, a major transformation. And we don't know what the outcome is going to be, but that old economic and social world is going to die. It's going to collapse. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you see, you can get all involved. Remember the, the story about Chicken Little? Yeah, yeah. Do you know that, you know that uh, nursery story? Yeah, tell me about it. Chicken Little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. So you can get all involved in the sky is falling. That's what the, the whole belief about the collapse, and then you get all involved in the, in the, um, trying to trying to explain it uh, materially or physically, what's going to happen, and not understanding that what really is going to happen is a major shift in consciousness. But maybe it is, you know, like the end of the world, like literally, not just a shift in consciousness, but it's also. Well, that, that's a possibility. This world is. And that's like a feel good this, thing. It's like an idealistic thing, but it, it might not be true, you know? It, any thoughts yeah, Well, th yeah, there's no doubt about it. This world is going to die. This universe is going to collapse. It's already in the process of dying. There are fewer and fewer new stars being made. So um, clearly, the universe comes to pass not to stay. It, it appears that universes. We live in a multiverse and universes are being born and dying all the time. But again, that could just be appearances though. And that, and that could be keeping us trapped in the matrix. And maybe, you know, maybe the fundamentalists are actually more in line with the reality in that maybe we are the essential aspect and the observer and all that is just dream, free, dream uh, visions that give us symbolic data that we can get deeper meaning from, but isn't necessarily true. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, that's certainly possible. See, Walter Russell, if you've read or studied anything about Walter Russell, he says, he says that that's what the universe is, that's what reality is doing all the time. That God is that, is that still, still small appearing point where there is no light and no motion, where everything is either the absence of light or in the absence of motion. And from that, which is he, what he sees is the fulcrum, from that emerges a universe that has a life that, that breathes out and then it breathes back into that, that same moment of singularity. He didn't call it a singularity. See, that's his theory. That's, that's what he received in his, in his moment of enlightenment, that, that uh, understanding. 
you know, what's interesting is like, you know, in the Hare Krishna, they, they talk about that time is cyclical. You know, there's the four ages, the Kali, you know, the, the Krata Yuga, the Satya Yuga, the Dwarpa Yuga, and then the Kali Yuga. And, but it's, it's kind of, it's not an evolution. It's a devolution. It's not like a progression. It's a regression and things get worse and yeah. worse, but then there's a cycle back to the golden age, but then it again cycles back around. Any thoughts on that? It keeps cycling. Forever. Yeah, but that's the same, that's the same general idea. Yes. But it's kind of different from the idea of the anti-entropic, you know, Terra Nature Dam, because yeah, it maybe, maybe it does go to the, some sort of golden like kingdom of heaven, but then it's going to regress again. And then it's going to go around and it keeps going around and cycle. Any thoughts of that? Yeah. Yeah. You think that's accurate? Yeah, that's probably more accurate. I kind of like that idea maybe better because then it, it keeps you from becoming a, attached to like a, into to a vision of like a and becoming conservative, you know. Yeah, it kind of, it, it's, it's kind of like allowing for to. It, I think it, it it produces more of a capacity to let go of that vision. Yeah. Yep. That's the consequence. Yep. Um, any other thoughts on that's what, no. that's what that's what it provides and provokes all right so ready um i'll continue with the book so it says the question is how do we define consciousness as societal beings who have been guided all our lives by moral and legal commandments our beacon of behavior was has always been conscious but conscious is not consciousness. Consciousness is the awareness that, what, what do you think is consciousness, Crap, any thoughts? No, that's what I've been contemplating, especially with this book. Yeah, so this said, book that I have, it says consciousness is the only thing that's real. Everything is consciousness. So it says consciousness awareness that there is something more to our life than the material pleasures that we seek. Right, yeah. This consciousness is that tension within us that tells us there is something higher than what we see. It is the beacon of inner awareness that guides us to a state of being where we realize that we are more than what we think we are. Right, yeah. Now, does he distinguish that from conscious? You know, like a genetic Dar Darwin Darwinian person is going to listen to this and say, like, yeah, the only reason why these religious people say that is because, yeah, it's good to believe that that there's like a higher mode of being that's beyond the physical because that maintains order and it keeps morality and it and it prevents people from from acting on their whims and instinctual desires. This incentive or notion that there's something higher, like a, a consciousness of beyond the physical, like Freudian uh, id and stuff, but. But then, then again, people could, you know, um, <clears throat> they could like discount it and just say like, yeah, that's all it is. And, and they, they can maintain a materialist conception. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. But, but I think that we recognize that there is that dimension, higher dimension. Actually, it's not just uh, something that keep maintains order. It actually is maybe more real. Any thoughts on Yeah, well, yeah, it, it maintains order so long as we believe that we are a separate ego that needs to be protected and promoted. 
Mm-hmm. Any other No. Is consciousness the awareness that there is something more to our life than the material pleasures? Okay. Human beings are far more than mere bio machines. This is why even the most powerful computer would never be able to replace a human. It can replace the mind and the body, but not the energy of the human being. It might be a fact that we ascended from animals, but it is truth that we can go further. Any thoughts? No. From time immemorial, wise men of all cultures have pondered deep into the simple yet intangible issues of what lies within us. Who am I? Has been the refrain of many sages. Many did the and did find the answer. Their answers were experiential. The scriptures of all great religions are the expressions of these wise masters to convey their experience to us. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's what I was saying about, for example, Walter Russell. That that was his moment and. He came up with his way of explaining what, trying to, trying to articulate what it was he became, of which he became aware. This is, when, when they live, the masters themselves are the experience that we can share. Yeah, read that again. When they live, the masters themselves are the experience that we can share. Hmm. So in other words, their way of living is, is a, clear, a clear demonstration, a re- representation of what it is of which they became aware. Their mode of being. Says Paramahamsa Nityananda is such an experience. The, this book is the first volume of the essence of wisdom of Nityananda that has so far been expressed. Nityananda has spoken in a number of structured programs. He has commented on great scriptures like the Bhagavad Gita and spoken to large public and smaller private groups over the last five years. This book is an essence of the teachings. This book takes you through an understanding of why we behave the way we do and explains how we can change the way we act so that we are in synchronicity with the energy of the cosmos. Meditation techniques provided in this book help you experience the synchronicity. Any thoughts, sir? Are you going? To, are you going to send me that name and information about that book? Yeah, I can send you the book. Okay. So it says uh, the the understanding and experience that we are one with the energy outside us expands our consciousness. We realize that we are one with every other individual, however different the individual may be in culture, color, language, religion, or tribe. We realize that we are all waves in the same cosmic ocean. The experience is living enlightenment. The experience is Nityananda. While there is some order in the way the chapters are structured, you may move back and forth. Okay. We don't need to read the rest of that part. But. Alrighty, so introduction. If you are here, it means existence wants you to be here in this form. You are not an accident. You are an incident. Any thoughts on Yeah, it's very interesting. It says you are... It's a- that whole idea, do we have a destiny? Does does the great mind or does the quadrant determine where we are, who we are and where we are at any moment in time? Or do we have some freedom of choice? That's the big question. It says you are a conscious miracle of existence. Don't think this is positive thinking. This is a straightforward and simple truth. If you trust this truth, you will start experiencing life in its pinnacle. It does. No. 
Understand existence is trying to express itself through you. What you call your potential is nothing but the expression of existence through you. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's good. So you're talking about potential. You were talking about that a lot, right? Yeah, that's, our potential is to become free to let existence express itself through us. It's like I was saying, I got from the book, the idea is what's real and 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 we are expressions of that idea expressing itself. But aren't we as real as idea or any does it? Well, that's a good question. What, what he's suggesting is we're just as real because we're the idea. See, it's, it's, it's again like um, an eddy in the stream of water. Is the eddy real? Well, the eddy, if you, think, if you think of yourself as an eddy, then that's not real. But you are the river. It, you are the river manifesting in that particular form, unique form. So the eddy isn't real, but that which is manifesting in the form of an eddy is real. Because when you freely, yeah, it? No. When you freely allow this, you will start to realize your infinite potential. When you start becoming the fulfillment of existence, you become flowing energy, which is what I call living enlightenment. Living enlightenment is living with the flowing energy of existence in synchronicity with this miraculous happening. So any thoughts? Yeah, well, that's a good description of the flow. See, a lot of people would read this though and they'll be like, oh, it's too idealistic. It's just, he's trying to make people feel good about themselves and like infinite possibilities and stuff. No, there's constraints in reality and, and let's be honest and let's be rational. Like, any thoughts? Yeah, well, they're right. There are constraints. We do get distracted from the, from the idea, from the flow, from the, from the symphony, from the ballet. So it says, when you live this way, you will find there's no personal barrier, no emotional baggage, nothing that holds you back in life. Life flows continuously like a river, carrying bliss and fulfillment every moment. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's the definition or description of the flow. In this book, you will find deeper truths and powerful techniques to tide over personal barriers and resolve emotional conflicts. You also find truths that demystify your relevance in the vast cosmos. So you start moving in a higher plane of consciousness. Any thoughts? No. This book is for anyone who wishes to live a fulfilling life. It reveals the secrets of the self, existence, and the world. It is for every individual to start experiencing the ultimate purpose of taking him human birth on planet Earth. It is meant to give the experience of Shakti, the energy to understand and change wherever you need a change in life. Booty the intelligence to understand and accept whatever you don't need to change in life. Any thoughts? No. Yakti, the clarity to understand and realize that however much you change, whatever you see as reality is itself a continuously changing dream. Any thoughts on that? No. Bhakti, the devotion, the feeling of deep connection to that which is unchanging, eternal and ultimate. Any thoughts? No. And mukti, the ultimate liberation into living enlightenment, when all these four are integrated. Any thoughts there? No, what, what are the four again? 
Shakti, Booty, and Yakti, and Bhakti. Hmm. So Bhakti's devotion. They take that. That's what Krishna consciousness is all about. Like Bhakti. It's called Bhakti Yoga. It doesn't. No. So it says flow in love. Psychology explains that thoughts arise in the brain and emotions from the heart. Irrespective of where they arise from, thoughts and emotions are inseparable. Ancient scriptures say that thought create thoughts create us. So do emotions. We become what our emotions are. Managing our emotions is crucial to transforming our lives. Any thoughts? No. That's what the quadrant model says, right? Thinking emotion, that's a duality, right? Yeah. So it says, what is love? Whenever we look at something, the first thing we do is calculate what we can get from it. It can be a person or an object that doesn't matter. Our thoughts start functioning either through fear or through greed to calculate what there is in the situation for us. Our attention is centered on the object or person. Any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, again, that's like going to the symphony and focusing on the, the players rather than listening to the music. We talk about that like that's exploitative consciousness, like, you know, using people and stuff. But, but you, that's how it works in this world. You know, you use people you know, that we don't want to deny that. You know, I'm hanging out with with my friend. Why? Because he can introduce me to people and I can improve my social skills and I can, you know, learn from people and I can learn from, you know. And stuff like that. And I can make an, you know, so, so yeah, it's a form of using people. We don't want to deny that. Any thoughts of that? Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, you want to be constantly in inquiry. So then it's not really using people. It's, it's, it's serving a greater, you know, synergistic process, right? Yeah. If you don't see it in a larger context, no matter how, how uh, much effort you put into using them is not going to get you, get you what you want. Mm-hmm. So it says, is it possible to turn our attention towards our own inner space and ask, what can I contribute? What can I add? How can I enrich others? If the process is only to ask, what can I get out of it? Then it is driven by lust. If the process asks, how can I enrich it? It is driven by love. Lust is an energy that demands. Love is an energy that gives. Any thoughts? No, that's good. Love is an intense experience in one's inner space. Most of us think love is a choice. We think experience and expression of love is a choice. We think that if we want to, we can handle love. Any thoughts on that? He says, otherwise we can, otherwise we can let it go. But do you think that true love is an intense experience in one's inner space? Yeah. Is it, is an experience? What was it? It's like Gatsby. See, some that was an intense experience when he first, and he spent the rest of his life trying to recapture what happened to him at that moment that he saw Daisy lovingly. Mm. Is it an experience or is it beyond experience? It's beyond experience. See, experience is not the best word. It's it's more just uh, a transcendent and transcending moment of awareness. Yeah. So no, it is not a choice as we think. It is basic necessity of life. When I say life, I don't mean just breathing and say, and staying alive. I mean being alive 
at the innermost being level as a live consciousness. Any thoughts? No. If you can express love, if you can experience love, that is the only way of being alive as a consciousness. If you don't experience and express love, you may inhale and exhale, but you can you can't say you are a live being. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's good. There are so many animals, plants, and other things that breathe day in and day out. You will continue to exist like them. That's all. A small story. A disciple asks a Zen master, does an enlightened master speak? The master said, no, an enlightened person never speaks. Only a person who doesn't know enlightenment speaks. Then the disciple asked, so does an enlightened master keep quiet? The master said, no, an enlightened master never keeps quiet. If he keeps quiet, then he is not enlightened. The disciple was puzzled. He asked, you say he neither speaks nor keeps quiet. What does he do? The master replied, he sings. His being sings. He, he neither speaks nor keeps quiet. His very being sings. It doesn't? No. But let's go back for just a minute. See, when he's, when he's talking about um, love and, and you're trying to get something from a relationship, see, that reminds me of, uh, again, this book that the subjective evolution of consciousness is saying that, that uh, there are times when we live in a world that we see as, as composed of people and objects. And when we live in, in that world, um, we try to get something in order to find a sense of fulfillment, uh, in order to, to get something that we're looking for. But what he's saying is that we can get what we're, we can get those things that we think we need, but they, they cannot give us what we want. It, it can only give us the illusion that um, what we have achieved or what we've received, it gives us the illusion that it's what we want, but we keep wanting more of it because it never satisfies. See, this made made clear in that book. Yeah, it doesn't. No. If you love, if you try to create love, it will be like forcing open the petals of a flower to make it bloom. Any thoughts? Yeah. <clears throat> it says love is the ultimate experience of a human being when this when the experience happens we will not be able to possess experience only the experience will possess us that is what the master means when the experience possesses us whatever we do will be like a beautiful song any word that comes out will be poetry our being will be so light we will simply float our walking will be a dance our body language will radiate grace all our expressions will be of great service to humanity any thoughts yeah, well, see, that's that's what Gatsby was trying to recapture. In that moment, he saw that potential, and and uh, and he he spent his life trying to recapture that moment, thinking that it was Daisy rather than it was what happened to his awakened consciousness. So it says all human beings are born as loving beings. A newborn baby radiates causeless love. It doesn't. Yeah. That's what they use. They use Again, that a lot, a lot in the Krishna consciousness. They say like Krishna gives causeless mercy. They say it's like cause. He gives mercy, but it's causeless. It does that. Right. 
Yeah, and that's what this book makes very clear that we're born with the capacity for pure consciousness. And then, then we sink down into uh, the lowest level, which he calls hazy consciousness. And then material consciousness from which we need to emerge, not as a not as a self improvement project, but as as a rediscovery of what we don't know we already know. I think it's important to to try to understand the hazy consciousness because that's a part of reality, and reality kind of conforms to that the hazy consciousness level, like the genetic Darwinism and stuff like that, and really understand it before you can transcend it. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Because maybe that's the way that the matrix operates, but it's still there. Still is a dimension that's higher. But to understand it, because you know a lot, a lot of people look at that as the highest level of understanding. To to acknowledge, okay, we're in a genetic Darwinian world, and it's not all you know that that was what the whole scientific revolution was about. Like it's not all about you know gods and angels and, and mystical philosophical erudite stuff. There, you know, there's there's a method, there's a system of genes, and there's you know, and we can understand this. It, it, any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, again, I keep going back to this metaphor that came to me as I was reading it. See, in order to have a, a transcendent and, and transformative ballet event, you need to have um, dust on the floor and ants crawling around on the floor and, and perhaps termites in the wood and and people sweeping the floor and you know all of that is necessary in order for a ballet to be to unfold its full potential so everything from the dust on the floor all the way up to the idea of the conductor are all a part of the ballet yeah does it no so it says all human beings born are our loving beings, a newborn baby radiates, causes love. Does she know any more around her at birth? No, her energy is causes love. As we grow, society instills fear and greed in us, and we orient our love based on greed and fear. Any thoughts? Is he blaming society? Is he kind of like, a, um, or I forget the guy's name, uh, Locke versus... Uh, But is he blaming society? Uh, that's not clear. Um, all right, so it says, uh, love cannot, or love can never, uh, be made to happen with just our logical decisions. Our mental setup itself should be created in such a way that we become love and our actions speak love. Our logic should start radiating a love that is beyond logic. If you start to, if you try to create love, it will be like forcing open the petals of a flower to make it bloom. Can it be allowed called flowering? No, love is a flower that blossoms deep within your being and sends out a sweet fragrance that we share with others. Any thoughts? Yeah. That's again what that's again what um, Gatsby recognized 
Something transformative happened to me and I'd like to recapture that. Yeah, it says love brings great courage. A beautiful incident happened in the life of Ramanuja. If you study the life of Ramanuja, you will see how he used every step of his life to move toward enlightenment. Hey, thoughts? When his teacher initiated Ramanuja, he gave him a special chant. The teacher told him not to pass on the chant to anybody and that if he did so, he would go to hell. Ramanuja asked him what would happen to others with whom he might share it. The teacher said that they would be led to salvation. What, what would we have done? Naturally, we would have kept quiet thinking, why unnecessarily go to hell? Ramanuja immediately stood on a platform in a temple and called out to the whole village. He loudly pronounced a chant given by his teacher and told the people, let you all go to heaven. I am not bothered about me going to hell. Let you all reach heaven. Any thoughts? Yeah. That's ultimately transcending the self. It reminds me of Jesus going on the cross. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It says, when you are deeply in love, you feel as if your whole being is open and you are ready to go to any extreme for the sake of anybody. You are ready to go to any boundary as there is nothing to protect within your being. Your being is totally open. You don't feel insecure. When you are wild with love, that is why people who are in love always do risky things. They take the risk because they feel they have nothing to lose. Any thoughts? Yeah. There's no insecurity. Where I want to go. There's no insecurity about anything. They feel so expansive. Love gives tremendous courage and energy. It opens you up. It makes you finally available to yourself. As of now, you are not available to yourself. Love can make you available to yourself. When the teacher saw that Ramonija did, he admitted that he learned a lesson from his disciple and declared that Ramonija had reached greater heights than him. He told Ramonija, you are in a different space now. Any thoughts? No. It says, be open, not philosophizing. The problem is that we have all practically become philosophers. We don't understand that life is not philosophy. It is spontaneous flowing energy. It is a new, it is new every moment. Philosophy is all about repeating the same old things in different ways. That's all. There's nothing fresh in it. Life is fresh every moment. Philosophy robs life of freshness. Any thoughts? Yeah, philosophy is a booth. And they talk about like speculative philosophy. Like you're not against philosophy, like deeper understanding, but like speculative philosophy. Any thoughts on that? That's in like the Hare Krishna, like no. Like they, they like their philosophy and stuff, but like speculative philosophy, they're not any thoughts there. No. But I, but you know, it, it can expand the mind and stuff, and that can help bring you to insights and and and, and the flow, right? Or any thoughts? Yeah, yeah, it's magnificent in its accomplishments. So it says a small story. Ten philosophers were imprisoned in a country. They were kept together in one cell. They decided that somehow they should escape from the prison. They sat and made a big plan. They got the mold of the prison door key and made a duplicate key for the prison door. Finally, they chose the date of escape. The whole plan was clearly laid out. They decided that on the particular night, two of them will open the prison door with the duplicate key and signal to the others. The others would escape and these two would follow after locking the door behind them. The day of escape dawned and two of them went to open the door. The rest of them waited for the signal. They waited and waited but never got any signal. Three hours passed. Suddenly the two who had gone to open the door came back and said, we have to drop our plan to escape. It can't happen today. We 
we'll have to do it some other day. We will have to reschedule our escape. The others asked why, what happened? They replied, what to do? The foolish guards forgot to lock the prison door. <laughs> yeah. 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 See, it reminds me of the Moby Dick story, trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist. We couldn't we couldn't un unlock the door and escape because because they had never locked the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts? <laughs> That's funny. So it says those who philosophize cannot think of anything new. It has to be the same old mental setup. If there is some change or some new situation, they cannot think creatively to deal with it because they are not open. They are like a closed circuit. Any thoughts? <laughs> I I still can't stop laughing about that metaphor. <laughs> that is just so so enlightening. Nityananda. <laughs> I listen to a lot of Nate Yananda's talks and he, he always gives jokes like throughout his talks. And they're pretty funny usually. Oh yeah? Yeah. <laughs> he, says, he says, we have also become like philosophers when dealing with our lives. We are stuck in patterns of the past. We are never in the moment. If anything new happens, we are at a, at a loss. With philosophy, you have fixed ideas and you become very assertive. When you are too assertive, you can't love. Assertion is aggressiveness that does not allow love to come in. When you are too sure and filled with preconceived ideas, then where is the space to, uh, for love to enter? Love needs beautiful space in order to blossom. Any thoughts? No. With philosophy, there is no room for love to settle in its existential state. It is like this. If you really want to experience the taste of nectar, can you experience it through just a sort of ideas about it? No, you need to taste the nectar yourself. Give it some space, allow it to fill you and settle in its existential state. Only then will you know the taste. In the same way to experience love, just a few ideas alone will not help. You need to allow it to grow in its existential state in your inner space. Then you will know it. Allow it to happen in your heart, not in the head. Decide to be with the heart. Then it will grow and happen. Any thoughts? No. But is, is he is he getting him too much into feeling? Because that's still not the flow, right? Or any thoughts? Well, obviously he's he's just talking about it, just a totally different mode of being when you're in the flow, when you're in love. So like the heart is like what? Any thoughts? Well, it's like being in the flow, I guess. Is you think of when you said that heart, but let make let the heart go before the course, hey does. He says, he says, what was once a failure within the head can become a success within the heart. Love is really a success of the heart that every individual should experience. It is easy to stay in the head. It is, after all, a mundane and familiar intellect. It requires courage to come down to the heart because with the heart, nothing is familiar. Everything is fresh. At the head level, you have a solid identity and familiar patterns. At the heart level, there is no identity, no pattern. It is no, it is an open space. Any thoughts? Yeah, there's no formula, no strategies. To enter into no it, way to get there. No way, no way to what? There's no way to get there from here. Says so to enter into it, you need tremendous courage. That is why love is fearful for many people. It is an unfamiliar zone with the head. 
there is comfortable familiarity. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's true. That's like the Israelites when they were in prison or in slavery in Egypt. They were afraid to go out where, where there were no, no guarantees or like Tevia in uh, Fiddler on the Roof. He, he, he didn't know how to live as a fiddler on the roof because he, he relied on tradition to tell him who he was and what was expected of him. Oh, did you get that Tubi thing, Grandpa? That what? Tubi, you know, like the, the Netflix, but the free one? No, I still haven't got that. Yeah, just, you know, just download it. It's easy. And then you, all, all you have to do is just set up an account. Just type in Tubi and then set up an account. You just need to put in your email and that's it, you know? Yep. So it says, ego disconnects, love connects. If the cosmos is a grand ocean, we are all part of it. We are, because I was thinking that then you could watch movies and stuff. And, and if you see any good ones, and you could hopefully tell me, you know? Because oh. I have all those movies and stuff. Or I could watch a movie and I could tell you like, okay, this one's good. Can't, maybe hopefully, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it says, uh, if the cosmos, it's like, it's like Nef they have all the Netflix movies, but it's free. But they just have commercials. That's the only difference. But any thoughts on it? No. So if the cosmos is a grand ocean, we are all part of it. We are one with the ocean, not individual drops in the ocean. When we think of ourselves as individual drops, we feel separate in our boundary and in our feelings. This is what is called ego. We become driven by the feelings of I and mine. As long as this separation remains, we can never experience the energy of the ocean that is love. We never experience the causeless and surging love. Okay, does it? No, that's a good metaphor. It says, as long as we remain in a drop in the ocean, we say no to life. We neither love nor trust. We don't feel blissful either because bliss is possible only for those who know how to love and trust. It happens only to those who know how to feel part of the ocean. Bliss is possible only when our heart says yes. When the no completely disappears from our being. No is darkness. Yes is light. No is ego. Yes is egoless. Any thoughts? No. No is the way of the unconscious person. Yes is the way of the awakened one. All the conflict, all the suffering in our life is because of our saying no. No is a fight, a war with existence. Yes is love, peace in existence. Yes is deep accord with the totality of who we are, the ocean. Bliss is another name for that accord, that harmony. Any thoughts? No. Makes you think when Jesus said though, did Jesus said like, let your no, no be no and yes be yes. Any thoughts on that? No. Um, it says the way to be in bliss is to dissolve into the ocean, not to be a drop, but to merge with the ocean. To be a drop is to be a hindrance. To be a drop is to be the, the ego. The ego is the root of all misery. When the ego is absent, bliss reaches us from every nook and corner of the ocean of existence, as if it were just waiting for the ego to disappear. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's, that's good metaphor. Ego is a closed state of consciousness. All the windows and doors are closed. Life itself becomes insulated and encapsulated. Our ego surrounds us like a capsule. Our ego is like a sealed capsule. There is not even a small gap to allow anything to enter. It closes itself due to fear and shrinks into itself. That is how we create misery for ourselves. Any thoughts? Yeah. Love is being in the flow with existence, to be totality with it. Ego is frozen ice. Love is the liquid water. Only when we are liquid do we become part of the ocean. Then we don't have any private goal or destination. Each moment is blissful, incredible, ecstatic, just going with the plan of the cosmos. 
So it says, love is being in the flow with existence, to be in totality with it. Ego is like frozen ice, ain't doesn't it? Yeah, that's a good metaphor of the flow. It is such sheer joy to simply exist in flow. Just to be in is enough. But we need to be sensitive to feel the joy of being. We need to grow feelers. The feelers are what we call love. Love feels the joy of just being. And he doesn't? Yeah, well, let's see again. I would think it would be more clear to say not to feel it, but to be aware of it. Yeah, because feeling is still the body, right? It's still perception. Right. And it's, it's still emotion and still related to the ego body. Right. You don't want to deny feelings. You don't want to discount them and, uh, and, and oppose them and repress them. But at the same time, you, you want so you want to just let, what's, what's the word to use? You want to let them be, like you want to let them come and go or like, what, what's the word like, any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah you celebrate them. So, so, but you don't want to, you don't, hang on to you don't want to indulge them, but, but maybe sometimes it is appropriate to, in, appropriate to indulge feelings. Any thoughts on that? Well, it's, it's like a little while ago when I was laughing, that was a very liberating feeling. Yeah. But I mean, like thinking about it too much, that could be messed up. You just want to allow it. Okay. Ha, be, be in the flow. Like, but you don't want to, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, just <laughs> let, let it flow. And like you said, let, let that feeling manifest itself in laughing. And like having like a, a, intense feelings, like I'm thinking of like black people, you know, the, the stereotype of like black people at a church, like the, the intense feelings or just like in general, like the laughing, the, the intense feelings that can be more conducive to the flow, right? Because it's high level of liveness where you can lose yourself, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So it says, the feelers are what we call love. Love feels the joy of just being. When you grow the feelers of love, life is no longer made of independent thoughts, but becomes a continuous feeling. Then the ego starts to dissolve. Any thoughts? Once we have moved from thinking to feeling, there is only one more step, and that is from feeling to being. And that is very simple. Any thoughts? No. Well, that is interesting because thinking is the first quadrant and emotion is the second quadrant. So that's like a thinking to, it is kind of like a thinking to feeling, right? Yep. But it says the first step is difficult to move from, okay. Just follow the heart, just love more. That's all, feel more, enjoy more so that you can feed your heart. Watch the sunrise, sunset, clouds, rainbows, birds, flowers, animals, rocks, and people, and watch them with awareness. Look into their eyes. Existence is multidimensional. Any thoughts? Yeah, see, there he used awareness rather than feeling, which right. is more accurate and uh, to what he's really trying to communicate. It says, look into every dimension like a poet. Praise it. Feel it. Be celestial. Expand your consciousness and experience every single detail of existence with love. Slowly, the ego will lose its hold and disappear. Any thoughts? Yeah. The only barrier to love is fear. When things start happening, we become fearful because with love, we enter into a merger. This threatens the very basis of the ego. Ego is separateness, while love is a merger. Hey, boss. No. The fear we feel is nothing, but the but but still, even like merging, it still implies that there's other things, though. You know, any thoughts on that? 
Well, see what he's saying is it's like a drop in the ocean merging into the ocean. He's not, he's not merging into other drops. He's merging into the, the whole. Says the fear we feel is nothing but the fear of the dissolving ego. Let the fear be there. It will hang around for a while. If we simply ignore it, the ego will leave us. It is a great day when fear of losing the ego leaves us. From then on, growth becomes simple, easy, and spontaneous. Then we are not. Only love is. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's good. It makes me think of like when I was playing basketball. Like I wasn't thinking. Like I, I had to have that courage to step into the that the potential empty space of truth. Any thoughts on that? Yep, that's it. So it says, be a lover every moment. Encounter any situation in life with deep love. Soon you will become pure love, whether it is a person or your work or passerby or God or anything. Just encounter it with deep love for love's sake. If you are a painter, just be completely in love with painting. If you are a dancer, be completely in love with dancing. If you are working with your computer, treat it with utmost love and become lost in it. Just be completely sincere and completely in love every moment. Any thoughts? Yeah. So that can easily be, mis be misinterpreted as being obsessed with it. Is it related to passion or any thoughts? Yeah. Says so if, if you are painting and at the same time thinking about which gallery to put up the painting or how much to sell it for, then be very clear. You are not lost in love. You are in love only with some particular thing, which is money in this case. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, you're, you're only in love with goals. It's like when I made my raps, you know, I would write them thinking to myself, I'm never going to let anybody see them, you know? Yeah. I really put myself in that space and it was like authentic and, and, and actually my raps ended up being thrown away. Like it, it kind of came true, but at the same time, not completely because I still have, you know, there's just errors in them. I still have the transcriptions, but any thoughts on that? No. Says if you are if you are dancing while calculating what you will get once you finish the dance, then be very clear that you are not lost in love. You create more and more bondage by doing this. If you become lost in every moment, you become love. Thus, when you work, you work with the utmost focus because you are in deep love of it. This way, your very life becomes a deep meditative love. Any thoughts? Yes, you're not goal oriented. You're qualitative participation oriented. Then you start feeling, relating, and respecting everything as a living being, just as you are. You even start feeling the other person's thoughts. You start responding and relating to the other person without him or her opening up to you. You feel the cosmos as translucent, ever-living presence. You have tremendous intelligence. You know exactly how to connect to things, such is the power of love. Any thoughts? No. The Sufi mystic Jalaluddin Rumi says, wherever you are, whatever your conditionings, always try to be a lover. The whole of existence is in a deep romance with itself. You are a part of it. So it is your nature to be a lover every moment. Only by being that can you experience the real fulfillment of your original nature. Any thoughts? No. Love yourself first. The big problem today is that most people don't love themselves. Society never teaches that it is possible to love ourselves. Understand that unless you love yourself, you cannot possibly love another person. Any thoughts? Yeah, unless you love who you really are. Only when you love yourself to yourself. And what do you mean by that? Any thoughts? Well, 
See, there's the difference between loving your self-image, loving who you think you are, and loving who you really are as a as an expression expressing the ocean. Mm. Expressing the ideal form. Well, what, what about the idea that you know a lot of people look at this and be like, okay, I'm I'm gay, like I have gay tendencies, okay, or okay, I'm a I'm a heterosexual, or okay, I'm like a I'm a you know, an intuitive person, or I'm a woman who's like more intuitive, or I'm a man who's more rational, like, you know, love, love your, the, the, the uniqueness aspects. Of, is that what he's saying, though, of yourself or any thoughts on that? No, no. Why not? Well, see, there are different kinds of drops in the ocean or, and in the river, and you don't love your unique expression of the ocean you love being an expression of the ocean so but do, it's, it's important to acknowledge the differences or no any thoughts of that yeah to celebrate them yes but yeah but people get too caught up in it and then it maintains a status quo and they get and they get limited by it right right then thinking of yourself as special yeah, and, and we all know people like that. A lot of spiritual people tend to be like that. They become like bounded and restricted, and even though they think that they're yeah. like you know expansive and everything, but it doesn't. Yeah. All right. So it says, uh, for a few minutes every day, just sit by yourself and feel overflowing love towards yourself. Feel what a wonderful being you are. Feel how you have taken yourself for granted. Feel yourself as part of existence and love yourself for it. Melt with the feeling of love for yourself. If you practice this every day, you will see that where you were once hard and self-centered, now you have become soft and loving. Any thoughts? No. Then when people love you, you don't feel guilty or unworthy because just as they love you, you love yourself too. You become ready to receive love from others. Usually when others show love to you, you feel guilty or unworthy because you don't feel you are worth being loved. Once you settle within yourself with deep love, you will receive others' love with joy. Love existence and feel it loving you. Existence is not a thing. It is a living energy being. Every single tree, every single stalk of a plant responds to your love and hate, your every thought. Any thoughts? Well, see here again, he could state that in a way that's less interpersonal. You see, instead of loving, the fact that somebody else is loving you, you see, somebody else can't be loving you. Nor can I be loving somebody else. Yeah. I can only be loving and you can celebrate when you see somebody being loving. And they may be being loving in response to you, but they're not giving you any love. They're just being loving in your presence. What about like, you know, with the black people, like you acknowledge that, or even though that's a social construction, but you acknowledge, okay, these black people need extra love right now. They need to be uplifted, especially. And even if, even if they're identifying as black, okay, we have to use that as a concession. We have to, you know, this is a compromise. We understand the situation. And to uplift yeah, them so they can then, get out of the feeling of inferiority so then they can be more conducive to the flow because when you're superior you feel yeah, more they, yeah they need to be affirmed and celebrated for their uniqueness and for who they who they are like all the rest of us are that needs to be celebrated yeah, 
No. So it says existence is not a thing. Is a living energy being every single tree, every single stalk, okay, uh, a plant responds to your love and hate, your every thought. Cleve Baxter, a polygraph expert, has conducted several experiments to examine the response of plants to human emotions and thoughts. He discovered that plants would respond to human thought in a way similar to how a human being would respond. A simple thought by a person about burning the leaves of the plant would register erratic movements in the polygraph re recording of the plant. Baxter called the response primary perception, the ability of plant, animal, and human cells to perceive and respond to any thought. Any thoughts on it? No. Says on one occasion, Baxter recorded graphs that registered a flat line that suggested that plants were in a state of shock. He asked the owner of the plant if she had done anything to hurt the plants. The lady told him, I roasted a few of its leaves to get their dry heat, their dry weight. Any thoughts? No. Hey, that's start? about enough for now. All right. All right. Yes, yeah, so send me the name, the title and author of that book. I'd like to check it out too. Okay, I'll send it to you. All right, there's okay. your book. Okay. Later. Thanks, bud.